0: Good morning, church. I was uh, speaking to uh, my siblings the other day about a little piece of property that my mother owns, and she really can't take care of it very well anymore. And uh, I was speaking to one brother about my other brother's thoughts on the matter, and I said, well, Joel, in Joel's mind, we should sell it now. What did I mean in Joel's mind? Why why did I say it that way? Why didn't I just say Joel thinks we should sell it now? To say in Joel's mind, it's a funny phrase in a way, and uh, I mean, where else would the idea be on the back of his arm or uh, in his hand? And when I say it this way, in Joel's mind, I believe what I'm saying is. Joel had reviewed this. He had mulled over it. It mattered to him. He was stuck on it. In fact, he was preoccupied with his idea and his conclusion. I want to suggest this morning that our mind is very important to God. And maybe that doesn't come as any surprise. But I could make the point from nearly any book of the Apostle Paul, and I just want to point out one text to set the stage for our Romans 8 passage this morning. In Romans chapter 1, Paul acknowledges this brilliant emphasis on the mind as he writes about how creation, all of creation, particularly humanity, has left God and is no longer honoring God And uh, no longer giving thanks. And in fact, Romans chapter 1 and verse 21 says this way. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, we badly lose our way don't we? In our hearts, we lose our way. In our bodies, we lose our way. In our minds. And the whole person is corrupted, according to Romans chapter 1. And it's no wonder then that when we return to God, when we get back on track to be the image bearers that God has called us to be, that he created Adam and Eve to be, and Israel Uh, following Adam and Eve to be and then for us to be to bring back the whole package to God for restoration that we need to turn our hearts back to God and that is our emotion and our will and our bodies how we behave and our morality and this is why baptism is so important it is a return it is a part of the return of the whole person back to God including our physical body But then there's also our mind, and that is our focus today, that it is to be taken captive to Christ, to use the language that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians. You see, our minds are critical to growing into what God has given us. Let me see if I can explain. Last week we looked at the passage from Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And remember, no means no. That we have been set right with God. That's our word justified that's used in Romans chapter 5 and here uh, restated again in Romans chapter 8 and we've been incorporated into christ we now live in christ that's romans 6 in our baptism into god's salvation and nothing nothing can pluck us from god's hand remember the lyrics to in christ alone but i make this all sound so straightforward Have you ever tried, I know you have, many of those listening have tried to follow Christ, to be a follower, and the struggle continues. Why is that? Well, through Christ we participate in God's new creation, the undertow of the old life is right there with us, and it's so strong. I vividly remember uh, swimming in the Indian Ocean years and years ago and the water and the waves were majestic and the beach was beautiful and in between, not far from the shore, was an undertow that could sweep the strongest swimmer away. In Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about two mindsets where this undertow is battling it out. And I want us to look for just a few moments at these two very different mindsets. It's recorded in verses 5 through 8 where the flesh and the spirit are contrasted and they're explicitly or implicitly contrasted in each verse. Verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, and verse 8. Now, in our contemporary uh, experience of uh, the world and just sort of the endless variations on nearly everything, one might ask, how can there be just two ways of thinking? Two worldviews. It's an either-or that govern the world, and I must admit that even as I was preparing this lesson and as I thought about my own way of looking at the world, I wanted to resist this for a while, but I believe that there is uh, some genius to what Paul is setting forth by God's Spirit. Two patterns of thinking, and I believe these two mindsets are not quite as mysterious and foreign as they might sound at first. You see, one includes God and the things of God and the other does not. It is that simple. Not simple to practice, but simple to understand in its its most fundamental form. You see, the first mindset is the one, Paul says, that is set on the flesh. And in verse 5, it says this way, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. To live according to the flesh. Straightforward enough, huh? And by flesh, I think it's important to note that Paul does not mean our bodies. We think of flesh and body as synonymous, though it may include our bodies, but rather by flesh, he means existing in life without God. Flesh, translated in NIV, as sinful nature. The flesh is this mindset that is dominated by I, or by me, or by mine. It is selfish in its outlook. Everything is centered around the self and how we can satisfy ourselves. Someone described this mindset as the mindset that is focused on prestige, passions, position, power, and possessions. You see, when we just act instinctively as a person, according to our sort of basic animal instinct and animal impulses, that is the flesh in operation. Let me put it this way. The flesh takes God out of the picture. When we think and decide and choose and act without regard to God, that is the flesh at work. And so let's look at verses 6 through 8 for just a minute. What does the mindset on the flesh look like? Notice in this text. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Let me just summarize very briefly. The mind set on the flesh, verse 6, death. The mind set on the flesh, verse 7a, hostile to God. The mind set on the flesh, in verse 7b, is rebellious towards God's word. And verse 8, the mindset on the flesh cannot please God. All right. It's a horrible way to live and it's very obvious, isn't it? Well, let's contrast that with life in God's spirit. There's another mindset. And so verse 5b says this, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. What's the mindset of the Spirit then? The mindset of the Spirit, well, first of all, it has this foundation where we are right with God. That was in chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, where there's no condemnation, where we're perfectly secure in Christ. And now he uses the word, a mindset on the Spirit is aligned with the Spirit. In other words, we have our minds set on what the Spirit desires, going in the same direction as God's Spirit. Verse 6b, it says that it's marked by life and peace. Not death, but life and peace. Suzanne Kelbley the other uh, Wednesday night in our connect group as we were reading through this passage made the observation that the word life and we can't read all of this but if you continue on through verses 14 uh, of this chapter the word life is used over and over again life jumps out the result of the focusing the mind on the spirit is life and it inundates both this chapter and this book this entire book. Of Romans, as does the other outcome that's mentioned here, and that is the word peace. Life and peace. Peace is outlined in chapter 3, in chapter 5, and again here in chapter 8, again in chapter 12, as we talk about peace with one another, peace in our relationships within the community of faith, and again in chapter 15. And as broad and deep as the Old Testament word shalom, which means health and wholeness, we're talking about a peace that's individual, but much more than that. A peace in the community. A peace in our network of relationships. If you and your neighbor have life and peace, then we have understood what it means to walk in the Spirit. To have the mindset of the Spirit, to have the mindset of Christ and of God. So let me just for a couple of minutes see if I can practically express what a mindset on the Spirit means. We've looked at some of the outcomes and they're, they're dramatically different. Let me see if I can say it a few different ways and maybe with an analogy or two, an illustration that will help bring this home. A good golf instructor can spot the 10 things wrong with a golfer's swing. A great golf instructor can identify the one causing the other nine. I want to suggest that your mindset is that one. Thing. First of all, if I'm understanding this passage and how it points in verses 5, 6, 7, and 8 to outcomes, then we must remember each day of our life, if we're going to set our minds on the Spirit, remember the end goal. To think ultimately, not just in the present But the future, what is the goal of God's mission in the world? Well, it's to save you, but more, it is to change you. It is to transform you. God has this massive restoration project going. And he is restoring his image in your whole being and in your relationships in your network of influence and as god restores the entire world to his image and for his glory and so we honor god by being his reflection in the world and while the flesh tries to claim that it has noble and wonderful goals as well paul says it does not It is death. Living for self is deadly and corrosive. So the goal of taking on the mind of Christ, Christ-likeness, that's the end game. That's the reason in the NIV, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, remember that great, great passage where he says, your attitude is, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Well, that word is, your mind should be the same as Christ Jesus. Not not simply, but it certainly starts with this, who we are becoming on the inside, but also who we are on the outside. How we relate to others. How we embrace the values of the kingdom in the world how we care for others, how we lift up the vulnerable, how we we remember and take care of the downtrodden, how how we lift the brokenhearted, how we stand and live and act for justice. We are, through the Spirit, becoming like Jesus, both inwardly and outwardly but i know this is not easy and so paul is trying to say in this passage that uh that there is that the mind set on the spirit is clearly aware that there is a battle raging within us we're in the fight of our lives don't you see that in this contrast that Paul is making here and framing? And while we are there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, now in this process of becoming like who God has created us, us to be, there is war. No one is immune to this raging, the raging schemes of the flesh, and therefore we're all vulnerable. We're all vulnerable. We only have to read, read, read the news or read a Christian publication even recently about great profile Christians in the evangelical world who have just fallen. Fallen. We're, uh, we're always vulnerable to a calamitous takedown. And if you are in this struggle between flesh and spirit and between, maybe, maybe it's today, between unbelief and belief or between giving up yourself, self and sacrifice, the struggle itself, I want you to hear this, the very fact that you're in the battle, the very fact that you're struggling is an indicator of the presence of the spirit. Maybe you haven't thought about it that way if you just give in and flow with everything the world's saying then where is the spirit in that but the very fact that you are struggling with the flesh reveals the presence of God's spirit at work in your life as Paul said at the end of Romans 7 thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord and then I want to Say that the mindset on the Spirit then is making daily choices. You're making choices. You're making a choice this morning. You'll make choices the remainder of this day. You'll make choices tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And here's the choice Will you, by focusing and setting your mind on the Spirit, participate in the life that God has in mind? participate in the life of God, to move from a world of fleshly existence to seeing God and listening to God and abiding in God and participating in God's kingdom. Setting the mind on the spirit then takes enormous amount of practice. It really does. It's done only through prayer and, and some solitude through reading the Word, through confession, through repentance. And I know that it uh, might sound familiar, but I want to challenge us again. The first thing in your morning, before it is clouded by the busyness of the flesh, set your mind on the things of God, of the things of the Spirit. You see, the mindset on the Spirit, and I hope this analogy might work, is a bit like a missile guidance system. The missile guidance system that can seek out and track down its target. We achieve what we see in our mind and our imagination under god is that guidance system of our personality if we set our mind on the flesh we will produce the results of the flesh if we set our mind on the spirit god's spirit will produce the fruit of god the fruit of the spirit in our lives and so we get to choose. We have the opportunity to choose. We have choice. And I know that sometimes our habits are so deep and our addictions are so strong, our patterns of operating are so familiar that our capacity to choose feels diminished, very, very limited. And yet, I want to suggest that this is the brilliance of what it means to be a human being and to be in Christ is that we have opportunity to choose. I can choose, and you can choose. Now, this idea isn't limited to Paul. William James, in the early part of the 20th century, said uh, this. Is, famous psychologist and psychologist of religion, and he said, the greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitude of mind. Well, Paul said that long ago. We are not victims. We are. Can choose, and here's what we need to choose in order to follow the Spirit to surrender, to give ourselves over, to relinquish control each moment to God's living Spirit within us. The invitation this morning is to start now, don't wait yield to the Spirit.